0: Oh, this is one of those uh, chapters, well, like anything we come to in the Bible, you just, you can't, you can't say enough, right? Um, We looked at the first nine verses of Ecclesiastes 8 a couple weeks ago. We're looking at the rest of the chapter now, verses 10 through 17, and, you know, it's just cool. As you you read God's word, you recognize that that it is it may be the only thing in this life, under the sun, that is inexhaustible. You, you, you just can't ever you can't ever run out. It just doesn't run out. God has no limits. And um, that's certainly my experience as I was, I was preparing this sermon. Um, we're going to talk about some things, as we said already, knowing God and uh, knowing ourselves and relationships. but let's go ahead and read first the rest of chapter 8 here from the book of Ecclesiastes. Beginning at verse 10, Solomon says, Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear before God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous, I said that this also is vanity, and I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go well with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on the earth, how neither day nor night do one eyes, one's eyes sleep, then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. This is the word of the Lord. Better than gold, sweeter than the honeycomb, and the drippings of the honeycomb. Solomon began chapter 8 by asking the rhetorical question Who is like the wise? A godly, wise man or woman who knows God and knows himself and becomes skilled in living, is living his best life ever. More so than the the richest or most famous person you can think of. The the most educated or most powerful or most successful person on the planet cannot hold a candle to the, the average Joe Christian who fears God and possesses godly wisdom. That's the heading of this section of the chapter, if you have your Bible with you. you there's see they put in there, those who fear God will do well. And it's true. Wisdom is knowing God and knowing self. Knowing God and all things in relation to God. That, that, that's the lens that we need uh, to, to observe the world through. That's the decoder ring that we use to decipher God's providence. But there, there's a limit to that. Solomon admits that at the end of the chapter as, as he has elsewhere in previous chapters. You won't be able to attain a level of wisdom that lets you see God's plan fully. That's not on the table for us. But knowing God and in, in all things in relation to God helped, helps us get a grip. It helps us accept the providences of God even when we can't understand them. So there's your bookends of the chapter, okay? Wisdom, good, right? Right? Wisdom limited. That's kind of how it begins and ends. What we see here is that life under the sun can be more than just tolerable if we fear God, acknowledge Him as sovereign, and define ourselves according to His purposes for us. The prescription here then is to look up before looking out. That's the, the title of the sermon. Looking up and looking out. We look up before we look out. None of what we see out here is going to make any sense and it's just going to frustrate us if we don't begin with God and and look up at the one who who made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them and and governs all of his creation. And looking out includes looking in the mirror too. Knowledge of self begins with knowledge of God. You, You don't look inward for answers. We don't look inward... For, for meaning and for purpose, we look up. So, with that top view of these verses, we'll, we'll get into some more and look at two points simply knowing God and knowing self, and some, some practical ways that that works out in our lives. So, first, knowing God. The first thing I want to say here seems obvious, but I want us to sincerely take it to heart. There's a vast difference between knowing about God and knowing God. The space between those two things, I mean, you fit a galaxy inside of it. There's a tremendous difference. I mean, how many, how many self-professing Christians know plenty of facts about God, but they're strangers to him? How many people claim to know God, but you can tell as you talk with them and hear them talk about their life circumstances, trials in their lives, or or current events going on in the world, they have no real understanding of who God is and, 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 and how he operates or how he expects us to operate. That's the first thing I want to say. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And here's the second thing. You can know God. You can know God. He lets you. Isn't that sweet? That's amazing. You know, unbelievers will sometimes say stuff like, "Oh, all religions are the same, just a bunch of gods with different names and and, you know, it's all the same thing." No, it's not. Our God lets us know him. It, The the Israelites said, for for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? That's what Moses says, Deuteronomy 4-7. He is near to us. God is transcendent. He's, He's so much bigger, so high above, so other than all of his creation, and yet... He knows us intimately and allows for us and invites us to know him intimately. How do we get to know God? How do you get to know anyone? You know, you have to open your ears and open your mouth, use your brain and talk, converse. We're communicative, that's right, isn't it, communicative? We're communicative creatures. Because God communicates, and we're made in his image, right? You want to get to know anybody, you want to get to know God, you, you talk to him in prayer. You listen to him and his word. That's how we get to know God. And he's so inviting. Jesus was like that, wasn't he? It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter to him that you didn't matter to anyone else. You mattered to him. You matter to him. He knows you and you can know him. And knowing him will help you know yourself. It will improve your relationships with other people and improve your entire outlook on life. That's what godly wisdom affords you. That's what Solomon means when he says it will be well with those who fear God, verse 12. He says he knows it. He knows it will be well with those who fear God. And Solomon's mentioned already there are limitations to wisdom. It's good to have. You should get it. You you, you, You should search for it as for silver and gold, he says in Proverbs, but it will not let you see the future or add another day to your life. And then here in verses 10 through 13, he says wisdom won't even really help you explain things in life that seem unfair. And that's true. And the example he uses is one of a guy who's passed away that was a wicked man. He, knew, he, he saw the way this guy rolled, he was judging him. But he could see how this guy rolls, right? And he, he was a wicked man. And then after his death, everybody wants to, like, you know, say things about him that aren't true and pretend that he was a righteous man. He's, he says, that's not right. That shouldn't happen. That, that, that's vanity, that's not fair. And witnessing those kinds of things, even if it's not that specific thing, right? But witnessing those kinds of things in life stings. And wisdom isn't going to soothe that pain. Wisdom won't soothe the pain of seeing justice not being served speedily, he says in verse 11. And it won't ease the tension we feel when we see the wicked prophet.